nine rounds of golf for $90? Yep. The Minnesota Golf Passport is back and available now at garagelogic.com. As a golf passport card holder, you're entitled to nine 18 whole rounds of golf for just one low price of $90. Supplies are limited, so just go to garagelogic.com and type keyword passport. A $300 golf value for just 90 bucks. Now you got it. GarageLogic.com. Keyword passport. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores, where I have my eye on a self-propelled single-stage really? snowblower from Frats. Oh, really? Self-propelled single-stage. I didn't know there was such a thing. I didn't either. Brings you Garage Logic Podcast number six. I'm sorry, number 764. January 5th, 2022, 47 degrees was the high on this day on two occasions, 1885 and 1999, and 28 below on three occasions, 1884 and 1912 and 1924. And I have two notes of interest, only because uh, in this, oh, this echo chamber of climate hysteria we live in, I, I love to note these facts uh, what is the record high temperature for January in the United States? Uh, the back page of the Pioneer Press Sports section always has great weather information. Hmm. Very thorough. And they always have a trivia question. Nice. And I take those questions and see if I can answer them. Okay. <laughs> what is the record high temperature for January in the United States? 98 degrees oh. at Laredo, Texas on January 17th. 1954. Wow. And wow. another one I noted this okay. week. Okay. What is the U.S. record for one-day temperature variation? 100 degrees Fahrenheit from 56 degrees to 44 below at Browning, Montana, January 1916. Hmm. And I offer these because I find them comforting in this, in this fishbowl of hysteria that we're forced to live in due to the nightly news, which has lost all respect for the fact that we have seasons in this country. We have seasons in the world. And uh, winter is now looked upon with hysteria and fright. Mm -hmm. uh, and it shouldn't be. Winter's winter, and sometimes it snows, and sometimes you get stuck on the freeway. <laughs> and now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production. Chris Reavers, director of social media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, may Joe Souchere. May I ask a question? You may. Uh, I remember, I I'm surprised it was only 98 as the high in January. The only reason I say that. You and I were talking about this off here after your return from the state of Florida, mm -hmm. watching the VRBO Citrus Bowl yeah. in Orlando on New Year's Day because yeah. I was in a room full of Hawkeye fans. Right. They kept showing the, the thermometer on the field, yeah. and it was registered at 100. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, I won't accept that. Okay. Yeah. 
I only accept what I read in the newspaper. But you said it was very nice in Florida. <laughs> well, we lucked out on the Gulf Coast where it could have been five days of 46-degree weather. We had five days of 75-degree weather oh. and humid, which is right up my alley because when it's humid, nothing seems to hurt. Did Let's, it help the golf game, by the way? Yes. Did it? Yes. Let's stick with uh, being stuck on the freeway. I got a great note from uh, Dave Seam who writes, Mayor, can you imagine how much different the experiences would have been had all those thousands of vehicles stranded on the I-95 24-hour, 50-mile traffic jam out east would have been if those cars were electric. Oh, my God. That hadn't occurred to me. I I rarely tweet, but in Nashville I tweeted a sign that caught my eye of a, uh, a parking ramp that put a placard out front Denying any access to an electric car. Oh, really? Yeah, because <laughs> I gotta see because this. of fear of battery fires. Wow, fear of battery uh, fires. Joe, where's Joe? Oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. Safety warning. Yep, that's pretty funny. Don't come in here. We, you get your electric car. You gotta park it somewhere else where it'll start on fire. <laughs> there were no fatalities, right? With the I ninety five, no fatalities and no deaths. And I think there's something to be mined in the story of that uh, incredible gridlock. On I-95, uh, I-, I personally would have found it dreadful. I wouldn't have handled it well. No, I can't, can't imagine. But there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, losing sight with nature in this story. Yes, because instead of accepting the fact that it was dreadful and it's winter and that's what happens or can happen along that Atlantic coast, we're now seeing stories of, of people intending to blame the government. And I'm I'm very happy to blame governments for things, but what the hell was the government supposed to do? It rained and snowed and got icy, and then I what I was always wondering in the back of my head, this whole thing started because a big semi truck jackknifed, mm-hmm, and yeah. that set in to motion the chain reaction. And I'm just wondering if that was an inexperienced truck driver. I bet it was. Well, we don't know that. We don't know that. The the conditions might have been harrowing, no matter how experienced the truck driver might have been. True. But it started with a jackknife semi-trailer. And is that a part of the country where a lot of people may not know how to drive in that type of weather? Yes. Okay. That's but that part type of, it. of weather there is, is, is absolutely not unprecedented. Sure. It's winter. And so you're coming home from... Disneyland, or what's that called in Orlando? Disney World, and you're headed back to Northern Virginia. You uh, you got stuck in it, mm-hmm. and now we're uh, we're blaming the incoming governor. Uh, well, which is kind of odd because he doesn't take office till January fifteenth, <laughs> and so we're going after that. we're going after the uh, outgoing governor. Uh, but I don't know what what people were supposed to do, except it does make you realize that this council to have some supplies on hand if you're going to do that kind of traveling is pretty wise counsel. Always be prepared. Got to have a lot of water and a lot of, you know, granola bars, flashlights, blankets. We'll go back to electric cars, too. Think about that. Were were temperatures at the point where people may have froze to death? Well, the temperatures were below freezing. Okay. And I haven't checked today, but I wouldn't be surprised in that part of the country if those freeways aren't already dry. Sure. They 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 lose their snow quickly mm-hmm. in that part of the in that part of the country. But in any event, uh, it's interesting to note that rather than understand this is what happens in winter, we want to reach out and blame the government for not taking care of people. 
And there's yeah. too many Well, that's people. how schooled we've become. Mm-hmm. That's how accustomed we've become to not have any bumps in the road. And this is coming to you, admittedly, from someone who would have handled that very poorly. <laughs> I would have probably abandoned the car. You would have started walking. I would have just left. Walking. I would have said, I can't take this anymore. Schmelz, you go get this thing. Yeah. I'm out yeah, of yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> so I, Did you, you uh, see, see the bread truck story? I, I found that rather no. fun. No. Uh, there was a couple uh, who saw a bread truck from the Schmidt Baking Company. So they called the company, and uh, they, they got a, a representative. Uh, 20 minutes, they didn't think anything of it. 20 minutes later, they told the representative what was going on. 20 minutes later, one of the owners of the bakery called and said, uh, please go up to the truck. I'll let our driver know. Start handing those bread and rolls out to people that need them. Oh, cool. Wonderful. Handed all of them out. Schmidt Baking Company is the name of the company. And the guy who owns it, it's been an 80-year run uh, by the same family. A bakery said, this is what my parents, you know, when they first opened, this is how they wanted to help people. I thought this would be a perfect way to do it. Handed all the stuff out in the truck, and uh, they only hit, they said, probably about 60 cards. But still, that's, you know, If I had been stuck next to a Sierra Nevada there brewing truck, <laughs> I would have called the owner. Right. Let's say, let's open her up here. Huh? I would have walked past the bread truck. Right. Forget, oh, wait. Beer is liquid bread. You right. might as well just go well, to yeah, the Sierra you Nevada. Go. You got the binoculars. On. I see a surly truck I down said, the let's road. Let's call the owner. Tell him what we're doing. You know, a kid I used to have got stuck on that exact same freeway in exactly the same storm really for 24 hours in about 2010 really and the re- the reporting she did afterwards was very interesting as daylight occurred and people started slowly moving again she saw snowman after snowman after snowman oh, sure. that the kids built during the night they were stuck in their cars and their mom and dad said let's build a snowman and it was uh, apparently it was it was an interesting sight, but also eerie that all the way up ninety five sure, yeah. you were seeing snow people. Wow! I was just being very euphoric there, wasn't yes, I? I called were. them snow people. Yes, you were yeah. snow what, people. What yeah. was her route? Where was she coming? She was coming from Durham, North Carolina. Okay, back to here, back to St. Paul. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know why that. It might not have been ninety five, but it was a similar storm and a similar result. Wow. Of being blocked on the freeway. And they survived it just fine. I'm sure they weren't terribly happy about it. And honestly, when I was making one of the dumb-dumb runs, that thought occurred to me. That's why I think I called you and said, I'm not driving through Colorado, because that's exactly what I was afraid of, Yeah, was a situation well, like that. Well, again, we got very lucky. The car that left for Chicago for uh, from Florida, mm-hmm. they encountered very serious weather. And the car that left for St. Paul encountered very serious weather to the extent that they completely changed their change their route Wow! to not come through Chicago, but to swing west and come up through St. Louis, where they missed an abundance of the the bad weather. Sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, John, you did miss it, but Joe did give the recap on Monday's show, and Mm -hmm. none of us won the bet. Uh, No one threw him out of the vehicle on the drive from Nashville to Florida. I did did hear that. I was surprised. (laughs) Surprised to hear the news. (laughs) Uh, You guys did see, of course, that there was a senator stuck in that mess, right? Tim Kaine. Tim Kaine. That didn't break my heart. Do you think that'll be part of uh, the next time he runs for office? I spent 27 hours in my car driving, trying to get to Washington. Well, to all help that's going to tell him is uh, <laughs> you people have ignored the basics. Buy some more snowplows if that's the case. <laughs> I don't like to talk about COVID, uh, but I, I I have an obligation, I believe, to read this email. Okay, we're a full service operation, aren't we? Yeah, we tend to be. <laughs> 
Chuck Geis writes, hi, Joe and crew. I want to tell you a story about the folly of just getting along with your lives and ignoring the seriousness of the COVID pandemic. It is the story of two people in my subdivision in Ham Lake. Isn't that up your way, John? It certainly is. Next city over. Certainly not on the list of liberal towns in Minnesota. Person number one, young man, 38, wife, two children, healthy as an ox, new to the neighborhood this past summer. He refused to get vaccinated. He believed that the government was taking his freedom away from him. Well, he contracted COVID in late November, was rushed to Mercy Hospital, and eventually put on a ventilator. Person number two, young nurse, 38, same age, husband and two kids. She works in the IC unit at Mercy. She could work double shifts seven days a week, handling the influx of unvaccinated patients taking up the beds at Mercy. She has heard arguments from patients and loved ones that tell her that COVID is not real or that the hospital killed these patients. Here is the intersection. Around Christmas, she had to turn off life support for one of the male patients in the ICU. Mm. She did not even recognize our neighbor because of the weight he lost while in the hospital. Only afterwards did she realize that the person in the bed she disconnected was our neighbor, who left a wife and two small kids. Joel, this did not have to happen. Please, please, for all that is holy, promote vaccinations, boosters, and common sense. As a garage logician, I am against mandates, but morally we have a duty to our fellow man to do the right thing. Chris, Kenny, and you, Joe, get the booster. We all have. I haven't gotten the booster. Okay, but John, you have. Yep. And I have. Kenny has not, I I believe. Yeah, but I don't care. He doesn't live here. (laughs) Listen to Mike Osterholm, who I think you have respect for his opinions based on facts. My heart goes out to our dedicated nurse neighbor who was put into this position by people who are not taking this seriously and are expected to provide the magic wand and cure these people when they do come down with this scourge. She is gutted, and I do not know how much more of this she can take. Push back at the right things, like incorrect stuff on the Internet and people who wrongly interpret science as something that is not true. Unfortunately, I hear a lot of this from your band of marauders, Johnny, not you. This can end, but it will take (laughs) 90% or more people to be immunized, boosterized, and careful. It will never end with the thought that this should only be an individual decision. Good luck, Chuck Geist, Ham Lake. And I read this because despite all of us... Uh, irritated by the constant hectoring from the government, the constant hectoring and the and the constant. Uh, <coughs> Fauci can be accused. <coughs> excuse me. Perfect health. Mm-hmm. Fauci can be accused <laughs> of flip flopping, and the CDC can be accused of flip flopping. But this is what's happening out there. Right. This does happen. But the line- no one on this show has ever said this illness is not real. No, no not, one on not, this show has ever said that. Not one person on this show has no. ever been anti-vax, which is why I'm going to take umbrage with one of the sentences he had when he didn't include John. Did he mean that we're anti? He he believes that you have taken uh, liberties by believing this is not as serious as it is. Well, I don't. I'm going to defend you. I don't think you've done that. Not not only have <laughs> I not done that, I I will tell. Was it Chuck? I forget what his first Chuck. name was. Dude, I'm seeing this firsthand. I'm married to a nurse. I know the kind of stress that these people are under. So mm-hmm. don't 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 accuse me of that because I'm living with it daily. I, I see the stress that are on a lot of these frontline workers firsthand. I mean, my God, this morning my wife had to get up at three o'clock in the morning to get in there because of how understaffed they are mm-hmm. currently right now. Mm-hmm. So do, I, I do take issue with that. Don't don't accuse me of that. I will say this: I'm not getting another shot. You're not going to get the booster. No, because because what evidence do I have that after that I'd be required to have another one? 
and then another one, and then another one. Nope. Six more boosters to slow I'm, I'm vaccinated and boosted, and I have a strong immune system, and God help us, I'm going to lead my life. So. Do you, uh, do you, let me play devil's advocate then. Mm-hmm. Do, do you get a flu shot every year? I do. Well, what are you going to quit that? I mean, what's the Well, point? it's only once a year, and, uh, and, <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, you know what? And I haven't had the flu ever. So. Okay. You've never had the flu? You never, yeah, that is weird. Well, not the kind of flu you get vaccinated for. I've had the flu, I guess. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? I don't about? know. I have no idea. <laughs> Boy, there's, this is where you want to go for your medical talk, right, right here. here in the garage medical logic. Corner. <laughs> um, but, John, let me ask you then. So are they yes. scheduling? Are you saying that then the booster will become an annual shot for people? I have no, I know, I have no idea. I okay. don't have any inside info. It wouldn't surprise me, that's, let's put it that way. Okay, that's what I was going to say. It wouldn't surprise but, me But either. I think depending on the variants, they'd have to figure that out before they went any further. I would assume. I don't know. Like I said, I, I don't But no Joe's expert. point at the end is, is no pretty expert. accurate because that's the way I kind of am. It's, you know, at this point... We can only do individually so much. At some point, we do have to, to move on, do we not? That ends today's COVID talk. Oh. But I thought Chuck's letter well, was uh, deserving like of new, reading. News. If you think that ends it, wait like it Well, to the that's news. in the news segment, though. <laughs> For 25 years, Patrick and I have always received a nice card on certain occasions from a woman we have always only known as Miss Minnetonka. Sure. And today uh, I got one from Miss Minnetonka. And on the envelope was her return address with her name, which I now finally know. But huh. it's not Miss Minnetonka. She's just always been called Miss Minnetonka. And uh, I note in her card uh, that she said, My friend Allison listens to your podcast and really enjoys it. I wish I had a computer so I could also. Somebody get to Miss Minnetonka. <laughs> Well, and what? tell her she doesn't need a computer nope. to listen to the podcast. Nope. All you need is your phone, Miss Minnetonka. Mm-hmm. Her first name is Alice. Okay. Alice, no, don't, all you, know you what? Don't tell us. I don't want to I'm not going to say it. the last name. Oh, okay. Alice, all you need, my dear Miss Minnetonka, is a phone. Mm-hmm. Go to garagelogic.com. Bing, bang, boom. You're now in the club. Come yeah. on. Um, I did get an email. I believe it was Friday from a gentleman that wanted to know how we can listen to the show live. And I said, well... Well, that, that's, that can be difficult. We're a podcast. That's a, <sighs> that, can be, that can be difficult. But you know what? A lot of people, the transition was a bit awkward at first because you know so yeah. many people have been listening to you for so many years on terrestrial radio, but a lot of people did make the transition oh, yeah. to the podcast we're going, form. we're going on four years now. Or, you know, so oh, my God, you're you right. Know. The podcast let's, started let's start in learning. September of 2018. So yeah. this coming September of 2022 would be four years of the podcast. Correct. That's right. And yeah. it's only getting stronger. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I can be accused of, of not maybe often enough listening to other podcasts. So okay. I devoted considerable time to that yesterday. Oh, you did? Afternoon. I did. And I didn't find anything I liked as much as this show. So there you go. Well, have there you go. That's so your report, so your there. podcast so report. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just didn't find anything I liked as much as this show. When you find out that you don't like a show, typically how long does the mayor give it a listen? Five minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a lot longer than I would have in, uh, would have suspected. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, John, when we used to go through bumps in the day, back of the day. Yeah, 10 that seconds. That song got three <laughs> seconds, and if it didn't grab the mayor, it was next one. <laughs> no, there's a technical rhythm to bumps. Uh, a bump should never play more than 17 seconds. True. 
And so I'm very aware of my professional radio status. Wow, yeah, that was impressive. <laughs> that very impressive. Uh, one more note apropos of nothing. I watched the new James Bond movie last night. You did? Uh, no yeah. Time to Die. And? I wouldn't even place it in my top ten Bond movies. Really? Yeah. Huh. It was really difficult to... Uh, I heard it's long, too, is it? It was three hours. Yeah, I, that's right. Oof. But I don't mind that if I'm at home. True. I paid less to rent it for one night than I would have to buy a ticket at the movie theater. Okay. I think it was four ninety nine. The point is that it was a mishmash of a lot of previous Bond films, most specifically Dr. <sighs> no, in which on this occasion, uh, you know, in Dr. No, Sean Connery got off the evil island in time yeah. before it blew up. And this time, I'm not giving anything away, I don't think. Well, I am, but that's too bad. Close your ears if you don't want to hear it. James Bond does not get off the evil island before oh, no. it blows up. He's oh, gone. No. That was they killed off the James Craig. Uh, what's his name? Daniel Craig. Daniel, Daniel Craig's Craig. James Bond character. So much like Wait, what? Much he like dies? what? Yeah. Roycey now did. Remember this, John, about 10 years ago? <laughs> yes. When Roycey ruined the ending of a movie for a guy, Roycey mailed him five bucks. <laughs> yeah. You're going to probably have to do I'll that now to, to the thousands to of listeners. Now, it, are we ha- do we have to apply the Joe Souchere documentary theory to this movie? What is that theory? That theory meaning, I didn't learn anything. Meaning you already saw so much of this <laughs> film that nothing new happened for you. Is that why you didn't like it? No, no, it just, it, it, it was a, it was a, uh, it was a retrospect. They fell back into the preposterous plot line. Uh-huh. What's the one I like the most? Cause it had the serious, serious, was it something fall? Skyfall. Skyfall. Skyfall was hands down the best Bond movie ever made. It was a, a just a great movie, not to mention a Bond movie, but it had a solid plot that made sense. This reverted to Blofart or Blofert or Blow, what the hell's the guy's the evil guy? <laughs> Blofeld. 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 Played Close by uh, uh, who's the guy who played uh, Freddie Mercury in Queen? Rami Mar- Mar- Malik. Okay. Rami Malik, and uh, he he was a good villain, uh, but come on. Plus, I, I'm having trouble hearing softly spoken English accents. Yeah. So every time the woman of interest spoke. I didn't hear a damn thing she said. Who was the woman of I interest? I don't know her name. I don't no, know i got to look it up. Yeah. That's always an intriguing aspect of the Bond. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's fun for the action. It's fun for the cars. I love all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was, uh, it was a, uh, what's the word I want? Not regression. It was a, yeah, it was a regression into a, a Bond world that was popular in the 60s. And those were fun. But they were tongue in cheek fun. This was just violence and, and uh, Leah Sedu, whatever is the uh, yeah blonde chick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's all right. Yeah, <laughs> it had a good beginning. It had the good gripping beginning and and all of that. But uh, I'm sorry, it's I've seen that movie fifteen times. I've Leah was movie. born in Paris, France. Yeah, she's a frog. She's a Frenchie. Okay, she's a Frenchie. Okay. Uh, before I get on to some really <laughs> disturbing stuff. A Chad requires a ruling, and I think it's a good ruling to request. I was hoping to get a ruling on some GL etiquette. While you were sunning yourself over the holidays, we had the shift in winter weather where sloppy, balmy weather gave way to bitter cold, obviously the result of climate change. The result of this shift was the common, icy, crusty, gray sludge filling the void of our wheel wells as we drive about Gumption County. 
while incredibly satisfying to kick chunks, where is the courteous place to do this? I've always felt that gas pumps were not the right place due to the daily traffic that would have to deal with my debris. But it's a hard temptation to overcome since it affords the perfect timing while waiting to fill up. Parking lots? The in-law's driveway? Street? What's a considerate GLer to do? It's a good question. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know if you had a ruling on that. I'm a great chunk kicker all my life. I, I, love, kick I love kicking those. Yeah. Here's yeah. what I do, Chuck. Here's my, or Chad. Here's my ruling. I park the car in the driveway, kick the chunks, and get them out of the way with a shovel, then put the car in the garage. Hmm. Yeah. That's what I do. I uh, worked f- worked for a fella uh, at a gas station. As you guys know, I worked a couple of years at a gas station oh, when yeah. we uh, left the air. The boss at the gas station, one of the most mild-mannered, nicest men you'd ever meet, would get so angry when he would see people kicking chunks <laughs> off their car that he would mutter under his breath things like, how about if I just bleep and go to your driveway and start throwing <laughs> right. a bunch of mud and ice on it? Right. Mild-mannered fella, but boy, he hated it. You know what I like station. to do is uh, when one of the shop guys is watching me leave, I like to kick him in the Hubbard parking lot and say, See you, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I never do it at work. All right. Now down to Uh-oh. the Garage Logic Service Road of Life. It's an astonishing story out of New York that Manhattan has a new district attorney. Yeah. And he has ordered prosecutors to stop seeking prison sentences for hordes of criminals and to downgrade felony charges in cases including armed robberies and drug dealing, according to a set of progressive policies made public yesterday. In his first memo to staff on Monday, Alvin Bragg said his office will not seek a carceral sentence except when homicides and a handful of other cases, including domestic violence, felonies, some sex crimes, and public corruption. This is just maddening. This rule may be accepted only in extraordinary circumstances based on a holistic analysis of the facts, criminal history, victims' input, particularly in cases of violence of trauma, and any other information that is uh, discerned. In cases where prosecutors do seek to put a convict behind bars, the request can be for no more than 20 years for a determinate sentence, meaning one that can't be reviewed or changed by a parole board. The office shall not seek a sentence of life without parole. What are, Shall not seek a sentence of life without parole. Under state law, the punishment is reserved for the most heinous of murderers, including terrorists, Serial killers, cop killers, and fiends who kill children younger than 14 in connection with sex crimes or torture. So if you're 15, I guess you could get away with it. Bragg's memo also detailed following instructions for prosecutors to reduce reduce charges filed by cops, uh, burglars who steal from residential storage areas, parts of homes that aren't accessible to a living area, and businesses located in mixed-use buildings will be prosecuted for a low-level Class D felony that only covers break-ins instead of more serious crimes. This is outrageous. Those more serious crimes, crimes, Class B and Class C felonies, would be punishable by up to 25 and up to 15 years in prison, respectively. Drug dealers believed to be acting as a low-level agent of a seller will be prosecuted only for misdemeanor possession. Also, suspected dealers will only be prosecuted on felony charges if they're also accused of more serious crimes or are actually caught in the act of selling drugs. That felony would mean facing up to seven years behind bars. 
Uh, assistant district attorneys should use their judgment and experience to evaluate the person arrested and identify people who suffer from mental illness, who are unhoused, who commit crimes of poverty, or who suffer from substance use disorders, Bragg said. Charges should be brought consistent with the goal of providing services to such individuals, and leverage during plea negotiations should not be a factor in this decision. In an accompanying day one letter to his staff, Bragg claimed these policy changes not only will, in and of themselves, make us safer, they will also free up prosecutorial prosecutorial Uh, resources to focus on violent crime. The head of the uh, police department's largest union, the Police Benevolent Association, also expressed serious concerns about the message these types of policies send both to the police and criminals on the street. Police officers don't want to be sent out to enforce laws that the district attorneys won't prosecute, the union president, Patrick Lynch, said. Uh, A Manhattan police supervisor said the identical platform has not worked out in San Francisco, Chicago, Philadelphia, and Baltimore. Minneapolis. It's not working out here. It will lead to more young lives lost to gang violence, and those would be minority people. Mm Mm-hmm. It will lead to more young lives lost to gang violence and innocent people being hurt both physically and emotionally, the high-ranking police officer said. Another Manhattan cop fumed. This is outrageous. He was elected to enforce the law. If he wanted to change them, he should have run for a state office. During a news conference Tuesday to announce the indictments of 17 members of three gangs in Brooklyn, Mayor Eric Adams was asked for his reaction. Adams said he planned to meet soon with both state and federal lawmakers to get in the room and operate off the same playbook. We can't have the justice we deserve with the public safety he need, we said. And I believe D.A. Bragg will be open to engage in that conversation, as well as the D.A.s in Staten Island, as well as the Bronx. This is a disappointment for people to hear uh, after electing uh, the the new mayor, who thought uh, we did not think we'd be getting this from the new mayor. It wasn't York. he. A, he was a law and order That's guy. What I he was a for, former cop who yeah. ran. Eric a, Adams a law was a order. policeman. Yeah. yeah. In July, Adams appeared alongside Bragg at the Reverend Al Sharpton's National Action Network headquarters in Harlem, after both men won their Democratic Party primary races. At the time, Adams said Bragg's views on addressing crime was no different than mine. Adding, Alvin Bragg is going to redefine the prosecutor's office and how we are going to ensure that we don't criminalize young people every day in this city. So in other words, you're criminalizing a criminal if you charge him with the crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Bragg, who was sworn in January 1, also made clear his mission is to reduce the number of defendants locked up pre-trial, telling his prosecutors, particularly given the ongoing crisis at Rikers, we must reserve pre-trial, pre-trial detention for various serious cases. I think I found an answer to this. Okay. And uh, we're bleeped. Yeah, no. I, you know, we've always wondered what's in it for progressives to ruin America. And that's all this brag is going to do. It'll well, create a chaotic Wild West scene in New York City. Well, Joe, there's I, something in it for me. I, mean, I think I have a piece that will help us get to the bottom of it. All right. May I take a break, though, so I can go retrieve well, that piece? That's not very nice. I have to go get the piece. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you.
Hey, GLers, it's Reavers here once again for Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold. And as you've been hearing over the course of the last couple of months, Josh asks you one simple question, and that's always, do you know what you own? You see, Josh's clients, they always know what they own. And Josh has found that most people that he meets with every single day, well, they don't. They absolutely have no idea. Josh has also seen retirement portfolios that have a big percentage in bonds. And there are real instances of people paying more in commissions and fees than they can possibly make on the rate of return that those bonds currently yield. So Josh begs of you, know what you own. And you'll hear from Mr. Money Talk later today here in Garage Logic to give you a specialized report on the goings-on in the market today. Trust is often overused, and it's even harder to find. Please, you can take it from me that you can trust Josh. So give him a call today for that free 48-minute financial consultation, and you do so by calling 952-925-5608. Once again, that's 952-925-5608 for Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold. So when they formed Polkadot Dairy all the way back in 1956, you, you got to wonder, did Wally Pettit and Herb Koch really think uh, that their tiny little dairy distribution business would be a, around all these years later? Uh, and they there they are, uh, right on Highway 61. And we're going to be talking more about Polkadot Dairy products in the next year. But this week, uh, we're talking about the most GL-friendly workplace around Polka Dot Dairy, they're looking for truckloaders at their Hastings facility. The shifts are Sunday through Thursday afternoon. Starting salary, are you ready for this? 48000 Now, this is going to be dock work, so you don't need a CDL license. Just a great attitude and the need to work on a great team with a bunch of GLers. There is physical lifting requirements, so if you're a strong man or gal, uh, you're the one that they're looking for. Get yourself a great job. Apply at polkadotdairy.com slash jobs. It's a great company. You make 48 k and you get to work with a bunch of GLers. Polkadotdairy.com slash jobs. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. An emailer whose name escapes me, but I thank whoever that was for alerting me to this. Alerted me to a piece printed in the uh, the site The Hill. And it's called America Isn't Experiencing a Crime Wave. We're Suffering a Crime Hoax. And it's written by a guy named Kevin R. Brock. Kevin R. Brock is a former assistant director of intelligence for the FBI, was an FBI special agent for 24 years, and principal deputy director of the National Counterterrorism Center. He independently consults with private companies and public safety agencies on strategic mission technologies. I emailed Kevin this morning, just check my email now, hoping for a response. I hope to hear from him. Nietzsche and later Jean-Paul Sartre and Michael Foucault, who are so adulated by the tenured leftists teaching young minds. First, they were all atheists who rebelled against a traditional system sensitive to the idea of a God who moderates certain personal behaviors. They asserted one's own human will is the supreme good and truth as relative to one wants it to be. They strongly advocated revolutionary actions to disrupt the traditional moral code, cast it off, and fundamentally transform society. Those who assert their will most forcefully get to live the way they want and impose their own relative moral code 
and versions of truth on others, gaining the power necessary to assert their will and moral code comes from sowing division chaos in society, where they ultimately can ride to the rescue and restore order through increasingly oppressive controls. Chaos and division in a country such as ours is best achieved by sparking and fanning the flames of class envy, tensions among the races, distrust between males and females, and a metastasizing spread of destabilizing crime. Now I've highlighted three mind-blowing paragraphs. Elite leftists have turned certain dials to increase crime in America. They have cloaked their radical policy initiatives in pious social justice language designed to appeal, in particular, to minority communities. That the results of their initiatives end up inflicting additional pain on minorities exposes the lie of a social justice facade. Purposefully enacting policies that are bound to increase crime is a hoax. A hoax is a malicious deception. In this case, the idea of social justice is the product being sold, but what is actually delivered is social chaos. It's a chaos craved by leftist elites. <coughs> Excuse me. Perfect health. I am. Uh, where was I? Leftist elites. But what is actually delivered is social chaos. It's a chaos craved by leftist elites because their dead heroes deemed it necessary to overthrow the traditional values that stifle the way they want to live. So to some extent, the crime spiking now in several urban areas exists because alt-left mayors, prosecutors, and legislators have pushed these destructive hoaxes. Um, uh, Imagine... Images cross our daily news feeds of smash-and-grab robberies and coordinated flash mobs of shoplifters and random sidewalk subway assaults and the victim factories of homeless encampments. As crime spills from inner cities into surrounding suburbs, a secondary salutary effect important to the alt-left agenda is occurring as racial fears and tensions are heightened. By stimulating crime, more criminals are created. They are useful pawns for the alt-left hoax agenda. They are not lay Miz souls who desperate to feed their families. It is not a loaf of bread they seek at Nordstrom's, Louis Vuitton, and jewelry stores. There is no nobility in tempting citizens to commit crimes when they otherwise might not do so. By stimulating crime, more victims are created. Consider them collateral damage of the alt-left hoax agenda. But crime victims suffer very real, constant, uh, what does that say now? Shoot. Uh, Suffer very real and constant basis if we want to fulfill our constitutional and ideal of blind justice. There are people of goodwill on both sides of the political spectrum who want to honestly address these important issues. Issues. However, enacting hoax policies that create more criminals and more victims are clearly not the answer. They serve the cynical goals of an elite alt-leftist class generally untouched by the devastating effects of their policies. These elitists appear to be hell-bent on sowing the chaos they need to transform America from a country endowed by a creator to one aligned with the fraught vision of philosophers who hated the idea of a creator. Does this sound like a good trade-off or a hoax? My 
God. But the the one word I'm trying to get past is hoax, Joe. Because doesn't the word hoax imply that it isn't happening? No, you define hoax. Hoax is a malicious attempt to deceive. All right, I've always been wondering, what's in it for these people? I emailed uh, Kevin Brock. I would dearly love to talk to him. I've always wondered what's in it for these people. Apparently what's in it is the wish to have a world in which they are not obedient to a higher calling, in which they are not beholden to a creator, Uh, that truth can be whatever they want it to be and thus not enforced by a moral code or ethical code, thus the decline of moral and ethical integrity. One that we've been seeing play out for years. They wish for a culture in which they are seen as the visionaries, which they are seen as the saviors by expanding their own power, expanding the size of government, all in the, all, all the while harming, most specifically, uh, in America, for example, people of color. Going soft on crime makes black people less than but we're going to make a we're going to make one hell of a uh, an example out of a 26 year career police officer named Kim Potter. We're going to we're going to throw the book at her as hard as we can. So, if I can get inside your mind, mm-hmm. there's this, a lot of room in there. This has become an <laughs> extension then of where it started in schools. You know the case of was it Oregon? All we're not going to grade. We're all not going to. All of this stems from the failed academy. This is all born of the failed academy. All of it. And, and what Mysterians, we've always said, without knowing what the hell we were talking about, for the last 10 years or so, I've, 15 years, I've said the mystery is the attempt to bring about a country that we're not familiar with. Well, that's exactly what this Kevin Brock just wrote. The attempt is to bring about a country where truth is irrelevant, where crime is a hoax, meaning that the crime is being artificially Manipulated. It's being created. It's being created for purposes of creating more and more victims. Again, most of whom are people who are at disadvantages in the first place. So these leftist elites have also always said, Mysterians don't like people. Mm-hmm. They don't like people. And, and black people more than white people have to rise up and say uh, to John Choi and to the guy in New York and to Lori Lightfoot and everyone else, quit doing us a favor. But Joe, You're ruining o- our lives. The only problem with that is a lot of a lot of people have, and they're shouted down. Reverend Tim is the, is the prime example of that. He can't even get elected officials to meet with him. But there's a turning point coming. There's a turning point coming. Let me read you. A, we have a friend who is a garage logic judge. Yes. And I received a, another note from the Garage Logic judge. The progressive criminal justice system folks have been cl- complaining for years that there is no that there is geographic disparity in sentencing in Minnesota. They point to data showing that out-of-state offenders receive harsher sentences compared to offenders in the cities, including longer probation times. This was the impetus for the commission, the Sentencing Guidelines Commission moving to cap probation terms at five years statewide 
when uh, this person joined the commission three years ago. Now they are citing these same stats to justify eliminating the custody point and reducing sentences for all offenders who commit a new felony while on probation. They argue that it is unfair that out-of-state probationers are exposed to receipt of a custody point for longer periods of time because their probation terms are longer. It does not occur to them that the problem is the lenient sentences in the city and that perhaps the city should get in step with the out-of-state communities. Last night I walked out of my local cub and thought how lucky I am because if I were still living in the northern suburbs, I would be at risk of robbery, carjacking, physical harm, and perhaps death if I were alone at a grocery store parking lot at night. It is inexcusable. Moreover, they fail to acknowledge that a probationer alone controls his exposure to a custody point. If he does not want to suffer the consequences of a custody point, he should not commit a new felony. Common sense, right? But we have, all thro- we have thrown all logic and common sense out the window under pressure from the progressives. The progressive will say and do anything to make us perceive the criminals are the real victims. Get this, using the word offender in commission discussions is criticized. They request that we use the word person instead of offender because they truly believe we are all criminals. There is so much more to this, it would make your head spin. Don't stop sounding the alarm. I think we are at a tipping point, and people are starting to pay attention. And Eleanor Osby, Judge Alina Osby of Ramsey County, has not returned my phone call. I'm shocked. I want her to explain why you let Ray Conley out. Uh, He's a serial probation violator. You could have sentenced him to six and a half years in prison for his green line attack. But, Job, now he's on super-duper double-secret booster probation. <laughs> Which he's probably violated already mm-hmm. and placed others at harm. The Mysterians don't care if we're placed at harm. They're bringing about the world they want, which is chaotic, and they emerge triumphant. But what if, again— With I'm gonna... no God to guide them, because God is a, is a non-factor. Exactly. But I'll, I'll bring it up again. What if, this, what if they're directly affected by this? Who are they then going to point the finger at? Is it going to be Ilhan Omar blaming the police? Is that what the, is that what the response will be? If they're at a, a, a Lunds and Byerly's on 50th in France and they I get think attacked? They're, I think they're creating, remember, they live a life on a third rail. True. I think they're creating a life where they're going to remain essentially immune from the dangers the rest of us face. You think Ilhan Omar marches around by herself? True. Oh, that's right, because uh, Missouri... Mm-hmm. Remember, she had to get she she's the one that wanted to defund the police and then was asked uh, about pri- hiring private security. And she well, said, well, do you want me to die? Well, Minneapolis City Council people have hired private security. True. Mm-hmm. Way to go, John. <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? I don't know. It's John's fault. Yeah. Uh, there is a, a part of his thing, too, that says I know part of it got it sounded like it didn't get printed by you. Right. Uh, where it says there's people of goodwill on both sides of the political spectrum that want to address these issues. So I, is it a, do you think it's a coordinated effort, or do you think it's just falling into places like weird dominoes, you know what I mean, uh, uh, the way things are falling? I'm not sure that's a distinction without a difference. Yeah, you're probably right, yeah. Uh, and basically all those people who are affected just become pawns in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the criminals, the victims, everybody. That middle whole middle section of people, they're just pawns and trying to reach. Why should things. we have to live a life atoning for our sins? Why should we have to live a life cognizant of a higher being? 
we we just want to be what we want to be. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't really care about having to f- adhere to a theology or a moral ethic or integrity. Uh, we find that passe, and our heroes uh, that get studied in the failed academy thought the same thing. And and we it, we embrace that thought. We we love their wildness. We love their we love their disparaging of uniformity. We love their disparaging of convention and tradition. We don't want any of that. We, want to be, we just want to be what we want to be. We want to be left alone. Live our lives. In order to bring that about, we're going to keep creating more and more chaos until you realize that we're in control of this. Can we, can we come back with Johnny Height? I, sir, I think we can. All right. Hey, GLers, it's Reavers here with a couple of questions for you. Are you noticing a decrease in the following? Maybe strength, endurance, enjoyment of life, libido, or maybe it's just a lack of energy. Are you tired of feeling exhausted even after you eat dinner? I've got an answer for you. You need to call my friends at Everest Men's Health. From signs of low testosterone to other deficiencies, they examine every single area important to a man's overall health. And that allows them to develop an easy-to-follow plan that will ensure your success. It does not matter where you fall on the spectrum of men's health. The time is right now to come into Everest Men's Health and take the first steps toward realizing your best health possible. The great thing about Everest is their medical specialists look at the entire picture and they figure out what is causing these changes to you. They start with a full medical evaluation to check testosterone levels, important vitamin levels, blood levels, and overall body composition. And once they identify the deficiencies, such as low T or vitamin deficiencies, they create a personalized lifestyle program that can include testosterone testosterone replacement, medication management, vitamin and natural supplementation, and exercise prescription and nutritional guidance. Trust me, Everest is fantastic, and they provide a comfortable environment that is not intimidating like other medical clinics. They specialize in men's health, and they can be your doctor for all your health needs, and they will refer you to a specialist if needed. It's a wonderful environment and fantastic people. Go online right now to EverestMensHealth.com, and you can call today to schedule your $50 testosterone test at any one of their three locations in Woodbury, Plymouth, and now in Egan, and please let them know that you heard about them on the Garage Logic podcast. Howard writes, I have a vehicle with about 90,000 on it, and it's beginning to show its age. And this week it idled momentarily and mildly rough for the first time ever. My first thought was seafoam. So I headed to the local man mall with the orange silo to get some. I found what I needed, proceeded to get in line with my two cans. The line was long, and it just so happened I got in line behind an octogenarian gentleman who had his own bottle. He saw my cans and asked me what I needed them for, which evolved into a 15-minute conversation about all the vehicles he's owned, his personal cylinder journey. He told me he started working on motors with his dad when his dad was a mechanic for Grain Belt, and the whole time I was talking to him, it was just like watching someone who had just entered a time machine and he was reliving key memories, like a, like the one where he got picked up for doing 135 miles per hour. The point of the story is to say that Seafoam isn't just a wonderful product in a world of bad gas. For me, it was an entry ticket into a wonderful conversation with a great living American that I might not have had were it not for Seafoam. That's a great story, Howard. Thank you very much. A great story about a great living American. Thanks, uh, thanks to you, Howard, and thanks to Seafoam for always being there. Truly a wonderful product. Latte Schmate. Here's Joe Suchere. 
Uh, both John and I noticed something. The piece I read by Kevin Brock, uh, it prints strangely. Uh, it's on the Hill website. Uh, uh, and I didn't commit a printing error. It's just the way the story prints, and mm-hmm. it eliminates uh, some more information that I think you need to hear. Actually, it starts this way. Why would anyone want to purposefully increase crime? No, it doesn't start that way. It starts this way. Jesse Smollett commissioned a (laughs) hoax reportedly because he wanted better pay for his acting gigs and greater fame. Hillary Clinton's campaign commissioned a hoax because she wanted to be president at any cost. School board hoaxes appear to be characterized, uh, appear to characterize parental concerns about what their children are taught as terror threats. China's role in causing the pandemic is excused while Americans are pitted against each other over masks and jabs. It seems like hoax open season. Here are a few more. The practical elimination of shoplifting felonies, the removal of bail restrictions, the defunded withdrawal of police protections in troubled neighborhoods, the flaccid tolerance of urban rioting, and the accommodation of squalid homeless encampments populated primarily by the mentally ill and drug enslaved who desperately need real help. Who in their right mind would see these ludicrous initiatives as good things for American society? Who could claim with a straight face that they didn't foresee the predictable and dramatic increases in crime rates unfolding in major cities today? These foolish policies are essentially a crime stimulus package. Only a few cynical individuals would purposefully create such destructive agendas, and that's what makes them hoaxes. Hoax policies are being pushed by alt-left politicians, prosecutors, and their wealthy patrons that are increasing crimes of violence and property crimes in jurisdictions where they hold power. And here's the kicker. The increased crime is likely a goal and not an unanticipated result or unanticipated consequence. Uh, Let me go further here. Why would anyone want to purposefully increase crime? It's an absurd notion to most common-sense Americans. But then again, most Americans do not buy into the totalitarian philosophies that animate the alt-left political class. These philosophies are worth understanding. They find their roots in a few dead European philosophers of the 19th and 20th centuries whose thinking still disproportionately pollutes academia, where today's leftist politicians and journalists have been tenderized, the failed academy. Common threads weave through the philosophies of Karl Marx, Friedrich Nietzsche, and later Jean-Paul Sartre, Michael Foucault, who are so adulated by the tenured leftist teaching young minds. First, they were all atheists who rebelled against a traditional system sensitive to the idea of a God who moderates certain personal behaviors. Okay, then I got to read this part. It all printed out. Uh, Let's go to where the printing stopped, and I'm not going to... Bear with me. This is terribly important. Come on. By stimulating crime, more victims are created. Consider them collateral damage of the alt-left hoax agenda. But crime victims suffer very real physical, psychological, and economic pain. Law enforcement sees this up close, and it is gut-wrenching. It's not TV or movies or make-believe. These are real people suffering as a result of the hoax policies that needlessly create more victims. Uh, come on, scroll for me. Come on, you can do it, that a boy. <laughs> Sensing this, the alt-left elites now feign surprise at the rising crime in their domains. Leftist city councils are nervously rethinking their reimaginings of public safety. 
House Speaker Nancy Pelosi cannot understand where this attitude of lawlessness comes from. Unlike the crime victims, the pain these elites feel is purely political. Their bewilderment is a sham that Americans of all stripes can see through. The underlying concerns of minority communities on issues of excessive force, disproportionate and unwarranted detention by police officers, come on, scroll, baby, uh, Uh, and incarceration inconsistencies are real and must be addressed on a constant basis if we want to fulfill our constitutional ideal of blind justice. There are people of goodwill on both sides of the political spectrum who want to honestly address these important issues. However, enacting hoax policies that create more criminals and more victims are clearly not the answer. They serve the cynical goals of an elite alt-leftist class generally untouched by the devastating effects of their policies. These elitists appear to be hell-bent on sowing the chaos they need to transform, come on, scroll, uh, America from a country endowed by a creator to one aligned with the fraught vision of philosophers who hated the idea of a creator. Does this sound like a good trade-off or a hoax? There, now you got the whole piece. Now you got the whole piece. I don't feel any better. No. Here's John Height. <laughs> One moment. There we go. Uh, thank you, Joe. Minnesota will open three more COVID-19 community testing sites, including two in the Twin Cities. One new testing site will open in North Branch on January 10th at the former Nike outlet store, and the other two will be in Anoka and in Cottage Grove, the uh, exact locations not yet named. State officials say the point of this is to get people the info if they test positive so they can isolate and slow down the spread of the virus. COVID-19 hospitalizations have declined over the past month in Minnesota, reaching 1,370 this past Monday. However, COVID and non-COVID patients still have combined to fill 97% of the state's available intensive care beds. Officials say they're worried a spike could cause space problems in the state's ICUs. At at the risk of starting a war, which I'm not trying to do in any way. One of the things I've seen debated is there's a lot of people apparently getting tested that have no symptoms. Um, because they might have been, whether it's in close contact, whatever. Where do you guys stand on that? If, you, if, if you're not, you know what I'm, I'm saying? I'm not getting tested. I, okay. have, I have no symptoms. I, I, I don't think I would either. Yeah. I, if I had no symptoms, I wouldn't. Yeah, okay. That's, that's what I thought. Yeah. So uh, about 700 workers are losing their jobs at Mayo Clinic for failing to comply with a vaccine mandate policy at the Rochester-based health system. Employees had until Monday to either get their first shots or obtain an exemption for medical or religious reasons. Mayo said it granted the majority of exemption requests. In a statement, Mayo said that 700 number does not represent a whole uh, much, a whole big part of their workforce, about 1%. They said 99% of their employees followed the mandate. In December, Minneapolis-based Alina Health reported 99.8% of its 27,000 workers either, uh, were either vaccinated or received vaccine mandate exemptions. A man accused of fatally shooting a person who confronted him about shoplifting at a St. Paul liquor store has been charged with second-degree murder. Prosecutors say 44-year-old Kenneth Davis Jr. was shot with his own gun. Are you listening, Big, by the way, over there? Of course. Okay. At Big Discount Liquor on December 27th, according to a criminal complaint, Davis was a regular customer at the store, saw the defendant concealing some vodka without paying for it, then took the bottle from him. The man told Davis he had a gun and started digging in his backpack. Davis replied he had a license and flashed his gun at the man. The complaint says the two men then tussled as they went out the door and Davis's gun fell to the ground. Authorities say the defendant picked up the gun and shot Davis twice. The man was arrested at a Motel 6 after police tracked him down. He's being held 
filed the Ramsey County Jail on $2 million bond. Let, Start no, to, hold on, Jen. Sorry. Yeah, sure. Yep. Uh, let them steal the crap. Don't intervene. That's the moral of that story. Well, it certainly turned out that way in this case. Yeah. Well, you had had that question a few months back. Mm-hmm. Were you at a Walgreens or something like that? Weren't oh, you? when I witnessed the kids stealing stuff? Correct. Oh, I just went out and got their license plates. I didn't right. confront But, but you, you had thought, you, were, you had asked aloud if you should have intervened, and we all said, God, no. No, those girls would have beat the crap out of me. <laughs> right. <laughs> Star Tribune reporting a 34-year-old St. Paul man charged with fatally shooting a tenant in an adjoining duplex told police the other man threatened to kill him. So, quote, I just beat him to the draw. 34-year-old Brandis Wells of St. Paul charged in Ramsey County District Court with second-degree murder in connection with the killing of 31-year-old Jarrell Kirk Jr. Wells remains in jail uh, in lieu of $1 million bail ahead of a court appearance. According to the complaint, officers responding to numerous 111 calls arrived at the duplex, saw a wounded Kirk down on the sidewalk. His father told police that Wells was in the lower unit. Police interviews with witnesses and others indicated that Kirk, who lived in the upper unit with his father, brothers, and a girlfriend, had been in conflict with Wells over a woman who left Kirk and moved in with Wells. Undefeated. On the evening of the shooting, Kirk and the woman got into an argument leading to people in the lower unit cutting electric, uh, electrical power to the residents. The woman, according to the complaint, had been antagonizing Kirk constantly and intentionally fueled the con- uh, conflict. Kirk, who has a permit to carry a firearm, went downstairs with a gun. Moments later, his father went outside and saw his son on the ground and believed he had been shot. Father went inside to put on shoes, returned to see Wells shoot Kirk in the chest. Wells told police, I just beat him to the draw. I thought he was going to live. I didn't mean to kill that dude. By the way, uh, Johnny Heights newscast is brought to you by MapleGroveLockAndSafe.com. Thank you, Mr. Reavers. You're welcome. Hennepin County Sheriff David Hutchinson, who was sentenced for drunken driving after crashing his official vehicle last month near Alexandria, contended to witnesses and law enforcement officers after the wreck that someone else was driving the SUV. That according to a newly unsealed search warrant. <laughs> Unbelievable. You see what Hutchinson's lawyer said? Yeah. 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 Hey, he had his bell rung. He didn't know what he was talking about. Yeah. The Warren Becker, oh County Dist- <laughs> Warren Becker County District Court also said that an open bottle of bourbon was observed inside the passenger compartment. That, of course, would be against the law. According to the filing, a Douglas County Sheriff's deputy told the trooper that Hutchinson was the only person at the crash scene. He denied being the driver of the vehicle to both witnesses at the scene and to deputies. One of the deputies at the scene informed the trooper that Hutchinson told him on several occasions he was not driving and at one point said he called a cab, that the cab driver was driving the vehicle. Usually usually when 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 you call a cab... You get in the cab. That's right. Usually the cab driver doesn't drive your vehicle. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Hutchinson's attorney, as you pointed out, Joe Fred Bruno, characterized Hutchinson's comments about another driver as old news, given that his client pleaded guilty two weeks ago. Bruno said he rang his bell, and whatever he said at the scene was meaningless, given his medical condition. Bruno also said he has a law enforcement inventory of the vehicle's contents, and there was no open bottle. He declined to share the list. With the Star Tribune. Hutch had those Tweety Birds above his head mm-hmm. when they found him. Uh, we did get an email about this, Joe, at about 1230 today from Keith. And I don't know, this is probably a question for Kenny, but uh, regarding the Hennepin County Sheriff, uh, Keith says, Joe, the max blood alcohol limit when carrying a firearm in Minnesota is .04, not .08, which puts the sheriff at 
three times over the legal limit, just saying that if the average Minnesota conceal and carry holder were in the sheriff's position, the left side of the aisle would be calling for heads to roll, and we would be responsible for the total vehicle, also not the state. Hard to believe. Thanks to you and all of your crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. And I'm kind of a – are you guys astounded that – the not the lack of coverage, because it is being covered, but how lightly this is being covered? Well, he's a gay guy. Does that have anything to do with it? I I don't know. I mean, he's a, a, a protected political class. I, I In the think eyes what, of traditional journalism, what traditional journalism has become, I mean no disparaging remarks against Hutchinson. I don't know him, but I think he might be looked upon fondly by the uh, the template uh, in which news gathering operates. Okay. I don't see. I see it a different way. I've seen plenty of coverage of it, but there's no feedback to the coverage. I, I guess, understand. John, that's a better way to put no, it. Yeah. Nobody is saying a word, and like you said, Joe, he fits a template that the right. left likes. So the right, of course, is saying, uh, hey, you know, let's do something about this. The left is just, you know, la di I've always heard he's a hell of a guy. Yeah, yeah. But. <laughs> yeah, a little yeah, incident so, you know, there, didn't he? Yeah, a little incident that uh, if you're sheriff, you probably shouldn't uh, right. be involved in. The, anyway. uh, the guy that's running against him, by the way, uh, I forget his name. He's very active on social media. He has not been as quiet uh, as, as a lot of other yeah. people. Yeah. I forget yeah. the guy's name. I'm so sorry. Well, look it up. I will right Don't now. Don't blurt out unless you know facts. <laughs> yeah, Chris. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> One person, I shouldn't laugh going into this story. One person is dead and two others are injured following a crash involving a stolen vehicle Tuesday night in St. Paul. Jai Stay Hansen. Put- Jai Hansen for Hennepin County Sheriff. Jai. What, how is Jai spelled? J A I. J A I. Might be J. Might be pronounced J. Oh, is it pronounced J? Uh, well, anyway. the, only, the only thing I have to go on is the Allman Brothers drummer. Who's okay. <laughs> His name is J. He is so. an independent running to be your next Hennepin County Sheriff. Uh, the state patrol says a trooper spotted the stolen vehicle speeding and discovered it had been stolen on January 3rd. Authorities said the trooper tried to stop the vehicle. This happened last night, but the driver continued, also increased speed, starting a chase. State patrol says the chase started at I-94 in Pascal, but ended after the driver crashed. At southbound Highway 61, the exit ramp to Bailey Road, 31-year-old driver and a 35-year-old passenger taken to Regions Hospital to be treated for non-life-threatening injuries. However, another passenger identified as 54-year-old Brent to Schaff of Robbinsdale died in the crash. Authorities add neither Schaff nor the other passenger wearing seatbelts at the time. No troopers injured during the chase, and authorities say the investigation is still ongoing. Pascal Street. Pascal. What did I say? Pascal. Pascal. You're Pascal. thinking of Pascal Manali's, which is the best, best uh, shrimp joint in New Orleans. I have no idea what that even right. means. How about wait, 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 wait. How do you him. know what the best shrimp place in New Orleans is? I've covered a lot of Super Bowls in oh, New I Orleans. Suppose, yeah. I suppose, yeah. I think New Orleans would be a good place to get shrimp if you liked it. Well, this has still got the tanker sludge on it. Peel and eat. It's just <laughs> it's right out of that river. It's just a gulf or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> the river. Yeah. Hey, give me some of that shrimp out of the river. Some of that Mississippi shrimp. <laughs> Mississippi. Well, that's what the, uh, the Royce's uh, favorite LSU coach that just got gassed. He that was, was a shrimper. He was a shrimper. Yeah. They wouldn't well, let him ride in the car in the bar. They made him ride in the trunk because right, he stunk so bad. bad. Yep.
<laughs> a man who allegedly fired a gun at Mall of America on New Year's Eve has now been taken into custody, according to the Bloomington police. Ramsey County Sheriff's deputies and St. Paul police officers arrested 18-year-old Khalil Wiley on Tuesday afternoon in Roseville. Bloomington police say a gun was found at the scene of the arrest. Wiley was taken to the Bloomington Police Department. He's being held on suspicion of first-degree assault pending formal charges. Uh, Deputy Bloomington Police Chief Kim Clausen said the shooting happened because of a fight between two males that resulted in one shooting the other. Suspect then fled the scene. A second man was grazed by a bullet. On Sunday, a 19-year-old man was taken into custody on suspicion of aiding and abetting the shooter. Witnesses say they saw him leaving the mall with the shooter. I talked about this earlier, Virginia officials defending their response to a blizzard that stranded hundreds of motorists along a major interstate highway said conditions for the gridlock were caused by a combo of unusually heavy snowfall, plunging temperatures, and a rainy start that kept them from pre-treating roads. No deaths or injuries from the calamity on Interstate 95. Which I think is a miracle, by the way. It really is, yeah. yeah. Little kids there, wow. Uh, the governor said, we all need to be clear that this was an incredibly unusual event. He said, though, he understands drivers' frustration and fear. It all started with a jackknifed semi. John, do you have the breaking news item out of the city of Chicago? I do not. Mr. Mayor? What's the teachers? You ready for this? Mm-hmm. The Chicago Teachers Union voted to immediately stop providing in-person instruction citing COVID risks. Yep. Chicago Public Schools canceled classes. Gentlemen? 340,000 kids, of which 64% are economically disadvantaged, are now without school. Mm-hmm. That is wow. from the Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. Good luck to the city. Well, Lori Lightfoot is threatening that they won't get paid. I don't think she'll succeed in that. I think that, the teachers' uh, union is more powerful than she is. Yeah, that creates wow. an interesting fight, doesn't mm-hmm. it? <laughs> Good luck to the city of Chicago. Gotta hate that town. And, and that's the shame of it. It used to be such a great town. It's a hell of a town. It's a toddling town, I got to you know. see America's towns at their peak. Yeah, I bet you did. I got to travel the country and see America's towns functioning properly. Newspapers were healthy. It was before the alt uh, the alt left decided to ruin the country. Yeah, and they have succeeded and are succeeding. They're winning. They are you absolutely must have seen winning. a few bad ones, though, right? New York. Filing bankruptcy. What about Detroit with the Detroit riots? Detroit, Cleveland. But see, I just (laughs) love the history of Detroit. What I would do in Detroit is rent a car and go look at the old Chris Craft plant in Algonac and drive up the river. uh, (laughs) Of course you would. Yeah. And and, uh, (laughs) one time, Rod Carew took me to see where he was born in the Bronx. Uh And he said, do you got any jewelry on you? Because the 70s weren't that great in New York. Right. Uh, no, the 70s yeah. were not great. And in I New said, York. no, I don't. And he had his, uh, he had one of his rings on. I, I would imagine it was an all-star ring. And he turned it, he turned the jewel of it into the palm of his hand so it was not recognizable. Wow. Yeah. Huh. yeah. And it's Rod Carew. I mean, a pretty yeah. recognizable guy in yeah. that city. Yeah. Wow. The House Committee investigating the January 6th ride at the Capitol is thinking about holding televised hearings during prime evening viewing hours so the public, in their words, can have the best opportunity to hear the testimony and evaluate evidence. That, according to the panel's chairman, Representative Benny Thompson, said the hearings could occur in late March or early April, but no date has been Who set. Who are we trying to convict? Trump? What What is the goal of this hearing? I think the goal they're trying to figure out if there was organization for the January 6th events, mm-hmm. if what it do you, were organized by What anybody. do we do for the anniversary tomorrow? Do you get a cake? I uh, personally don't do anything. Got it. 
uh, well, speaking lamented. There, there was going to be a press conference, of course, tomorrow by former President Donald Trump. But mm. uh, he cooler, heads, uh, cooler heads prevailed last night. He canceled the planned press conference. Some members of his own party, the GOP, had expressed earlier Tuesday they didn't think it would be a good idea. That's sources, good. Yeah. Sources say members of Trump's inner circle advised him not to hold the press conference. Uh, as for the former president himself, his statement canceling the press are read. In light of the total bias and dishonesty of the January 6th unselect committee of Democrats, two failed Republicans, and the fake news media, I'm canceling the January 6th press conference at Mar-a-Lago on Thursday. So there you go. Uh, did, what, really quick. Yeah. Sorry, Johnny. Did, did the both of you kind of wish he would have went through it anyway just to see what he was going to say? No. No, no, okay, no, I, no I don't. Okay. I really no, don't. No. I don't want to hear from him. Okay. Yeah, Exactly. Large house fire, horrible, in Philadelphia early this morning, mm. caused at least 13 people to die, including some children. Oh, man. Fire, firefighters and police responding to the fire at a three-story row house in the city's Fairmount neighborhood around 6.40 a.m. Found flames coming out the second floor. The house had been converted into two, uh, into two apartments, according to police. Brought under control in less than an hour. Television news footage showed ladders propped up against the smoke black in front of the house with all its windows missing. Holes remained in the roof where firefighters had broken through. You know what that reminded me of? Hmm. Hmm. I'm looking it up right now. I don't know if John's old enough. Uh, a famous school fire in Chicago. I don't recall uh, that. No. This might ring your bell if I can get this. If I could type, I, we'd have a hell of a show. <laughs> you, are, you and Royce, you like to use the one finger to type. Is it, we call it pecking, John? How do we? What's that's, this? that's an old reporter thing. My brother was the same. Same way. way. You don't type that way, though, John. It was Our Lady no. of Angels School no. on December 1st, 1958. A fire broke out at Our Lady of Angels School in Chicago shortly before classes were be to, to, dis, to be dismissed. The fire originated in, the, uh, in a basement near the foot of a stairway. And uh, I'm going to tell you how many people died. At 1,600 students, uh, the elementary school was operated by the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Chicago and had a Roman of 1,600 kids. A total of 92 kids and three nuns died wow. when the smoke, heat, and fire and toxic gases cut off their normal means of egress through corridors and stairways. Many more were injured when they jumped from second floor windows, which because of the building had a raised basement, they were nearly as high as a third story would be at ground level. Wow, it was the lead headline story in American, Canadian, and European newspapers. Pope John Twenty-Third sent his condolences from the Vatican. The severity of the fire shocked the nation and surprised educational administrators of both public and private schools. The disaster led to major achievements in standards for school design and fire safety codes. And at the time, all of us who happened to be grade schoolers in a Catholic grade school were uh, riveted and, and horrified by that story. I bet. Yeah. Uh, at St. Joseph's Catholic Grade School, where I went in Mandan, North Dakota, we ended up doing fire drills at least three times a week. We I'm certainly sure did them after really? this. Yeah. After that, oh, yeah. yeah. It, that bell would ring, boom. It was regimented. You were boom, 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 getting out of there. So Three times a week. Wow. Oh, yeah. There's a monument but, to the victims at the Queen of Heaven Cemetery in Chicago. Ninety huh. kids. Wow. Good. In this, in this Philadelphia fire, there were seven kids that died so far. Seven total. Yeah, I hadn't seen that. I yeah. just knew their number. Hmm. 
Uh, budgets are tighter for lots of folks in, with 2022 in full swing. Being money conscious, nothing new for a lot of Americans, but new research shows the average American worries about their finances six times a day. I've never stopped to count, but the poll of 2000... I'd say accurate. <laughs> Wait a minute. Six times a day? Yeah. Six times a day, Joe. Do you worry mm. that many times a day about your finances? Mm, at least. The yeah. poll... <laughs> The poll of 2,000 adults to uncover how people feel about their finances also found that millennials are more focused on finances than any other generation. They worry about money seven times a day. Um, Overall, respondents agreed that millennials and Gen Z are better at managing finances than their Gen X and baby boomer counterparts. Survey also looked at financial anxieties and the biggest hurdles each generation faces when it comes to finances. With money being the top source of anxiety, the data revealed 43% of respondents would give up drinking alcohol for five years if they could retire today. Hold on. I probably wouldn't think about it at uh, all except for where I live. Right. (laughs) Yeah, good point. Uh, And three in ten would give up sex if they could retire today. Well, no, I'm not going to go there. Don't, yeah. Your wife might be listening. You never know. But I should have been retired years ago. I don't get why people want to retire. What the hell are you going to do? I'd retire if I didn't have to live in Minnesota in the winter. Then I'd retire. Hmm. But that ain't going to happen. But then you're just going to stare out the window. Here I would. So here, yeah, that's here. true. Here, yeah, but if you were somewhere else, if you, you were could warm. Get you could do a lot of stuff. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm already getting static around the house because I'm complaining about winter, and we haven't really had a horrible winter. No, I want the, everything to melt, and I want to go stand outside. Well, you're yeah. you're not a 21sterer. I, I guess not. I stand outside in these gales, and <laughs> this is just wonderful. Sure. <laughs> How are you going to feel tomorrow when the high is negative two? I'm not going to like that. Yeah. Yeah. In you're looking, I got to uh, practice space management yet today. Do you? We got yeah, about three oh, inches. I got nothing. Yeah. Are you serious, Chris? I got, got I got very little, just a dusting. I'm probably close to five inches before, wow. I, before I came out here, yeah. Wow. Uh, you like peanuts? I do. Do you like, uh, do you need a job? No. Okay, well, I got a job for folks who like peanuts and need a job. Planters is offering the opportunity of a lifetime. Beginning on January 4th, Planters is accepting applications and will be hiring three people, or peanutters, to chauffeur Mr. Peanut in the 26-foot-long nutmobile. Oh, boy. From, <laughs> maybe I do need a job. From coast to coast. <laughs> Sounds pretty celebrate, cool. <laughs> celebrate communities as they visit along the ride. I didn't know we had a nutmobile. Oh, is yeah. it like the Wienermobile, yeah, the yeah, Oscar Mayer yeah. Wienermobile? Yeah. It's yeah. exactly like that. It looks like a big peanut. i got to look at them. Well, I bet. People have until January 24th to apply at www.beapeanutnutter.com by submitting a resume with a 30 to 45 second long creative video of why you should become a peanutter. Some of the other main tasks that the peanutters will be expected to do on the trip will be representing the planters brand in media interviews and appearances with local radio, television, and digital publications, working alongside people who perform little acts of substance for the communities, and cracking nut puns and ensuring everyone has a nutty time with Mr. Peanut in the Nutmobile. We got a guy on the staff who's a natural peanut. Mr. Peanut, rookie. Oh, hundred percent. Do yeah. By the way, uh, just so you're aware, when you Google search uh, the Nutmobile, yeah, I'm not going to. Well, it does show you the 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 planter's vehicle, but then some people have taken liberty with the photo and doctored it uh, to a certain degree. That's that's enough. Okay. (laughs) That one's a little creative. You want me to send it to (laughs) you? No, I don't. Okay. 
Uh, speaking of nuts, the founder and chair of Entrada, which is a very big, I've never heard of him, but it's a big silicone tech firm, has had to resign his position after he sent an email. This is the founder and the chairman. Yeah. To a number of tech CEOs and Utah business and political leaders claiming that the COVID-19 vaccine is part of a plot by, quote, the Jews to exterminate people. The remarks triggered condemnation, as you might expect, huh. led to David Bateman resigning from the company's board of directors. Uh, in the email, he wrote, I think this email, I write this email knowing that many of you will think I'm crazy after reading it. I believe there's a sadistic effort underway to euthanize the American people. It's undeniable. In the email, he attacks the efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccine. He says, I believe the Jews are behind this. For 300 years, the Jews have been trying to infiltrate the Catholic Church and place a Jew covertly at the top. I believe the pandemic and extermination of billions of people will lead to this effort to consolidate all the countries of the world under a single flag. He's nuts. Among, well, among those who got the email, he, he sent them to everybody. Utah jazz owner and Qualeretric CEO, Ryan Smith, the governor of the state of Utah, Spencer Cox, Senate Minority Leader Whip, uh, Senate Minority Whip, Luz Escamilla, Economic Development Corporation of Utah CEO Teresa Foley, and other Silicon Slope CEOs. Uh, he did confirm to a local uh, TV station that, yes, I did send it, he said. He said, quote, I have nothing but love for the Jewish people. Some of my closest friends are Jews. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you didn't catch Probably. Joe's pun. He's nuts. What's that? Yeah, I, that's how I started the story too, Chris. I, I think I think John covered that, Chris. Got speak, it. Speak, speaking of nuts, I said I'm transfixed uh, to steal Royce's word by Are the uh, altered photos of the, the nutmobile. Nut yeah. Oh my gosh! By the way, the governor uh, who was in that uh, thing said uh, this guy's nuts. So <laughs> he also agreed uh, that he should probably you know, go away. You guys fear a repeat tomorrow of what happened last year on January sixth? That's the headline mm. we're being sold. I do not. I do not. I either. do not. No, no, I don't. That's that fake news that was alluded it's to by news. the former president. It's fake news. Mm -hmm. You know what there would have to be? There would have to be people who, well, never mind. I'll just be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> they would have to be sincere in their lunacy. Right. Well, I don't think everybody last year was sincere in their lunacy. Well, what if the right. people that were rallying in Dallas... Uh, for that. Uh, well, you got people that think JFK Jr. is going to show up with the story. That's, that's, that's a good point. That's what that's I was just point. getting at, yeah. <laughs> On to Washington! I didn't think of that, yeah. Good point. Yeah. Joe? What? Uh, John's trying to get your attention. Yeah, that, uh, he, He's out of news items. Well, then goodbye. <laughs> okay. Take a break. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See you later. Hey, GLers, if you're looking to improve the water quality in your home, then trust my friends at Hofferman Water. They are your local independent water treatment dealer, and they have been serving Minnesotans for nearly 50 years, and they understand the unique problems that Minnesota water brings. They are also an independent and authorized Connecticut dealer, so whether you're looking to soften, filter, or you just want your water to taste better, they will help make your water worry-free. I'm a prime example. I went with the Connecticut system a couple of years ago. I have the S. 
650 system inside my home. It made an absolute world of difference. It improved everything. Your 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 dishes, your your laundry, your showers, everything inside your home gets better with Kinetico and my friends at Hofferman Water. If you already have a water treatment system in your home, well, they can help you with service and repairs. They specialize in Kinetico products, but service many other major brands too. They can also help with salt delivery, filter changes, parts, repairs, and more. Give them a shout today. You can call them at 612-895-2440 for a free water analysis and estimate, or just check them out online at HoffermanWater.com, and please let them know that Garage Logic sent you. <laughs> Mr. Impatient on line one. You cannot stop him. He'll just make a move. Joe Suchere. I don't want to do this story, but I'm going to because of Kim Potter. A disarmed Illinois police officer desperately begged for her life before a heartless thug executed her with her own gun. Horrible story. Sergeant Marlene Ritmanik, 49 was murdered in cold blood on December 29 as she and Officer Tyler Bailey, 27, investigated a noise complaint at a Bradley area motel. Bailey, the dead woman's partner, was hospitalized after being shot during the attack and is fighting for his life. Authorities arrested 25-year-old Darius Sullivan, 26-year-old Alexandria Harris in connection with the incident. Jim Rowe, Kankakee County's state's attorney, is pushing federal officials to consider the death penalty for both Sullivan and Harris if convicted, even though Illinois does not perform executions. Ritmanic and Bailey were responding to a noise complaint at the Comfort Inn parking lot in Bradley, where dogs in a car were said to be barking loudly. Let me stop right here. The parallels are are somewhat uh, significant. You have an older white woman officer with mm-hmm. a younger male partner. You've got a, a seemingly non-eventful stop. Mm-hmm. According to the Kansas City Star, the police soon determined that the vehicle belonged to Harris and they were directed to her room by hotel staffers. Uh, the Star, Kansas City Star reported that the officers knocked and identified themselves as police officers telling Harris to open the door. After about 14 minutes, prosecutors said, she finally came out but tried to stop Rittmanick and Bailey from entering the room and arresting Sullivan, who had several warrants out for his arrest. Shocking. Which they would not have known arriving for some barking dogs. Mm-hmm. As the officers told Harris to move out of the way, Sullivan allegedly appeared with a 9mm pistol loaded with a high-capacity drum magazine. He then reportedly shot Bailey in the head before opening fire on Ritmanic, striking her once before she escaped and ran down the hall to call for backup. Harris then chased the officer and engaged her in a struggler struggle. According to the Star's report, prosecutors say that Sullivan's pistol had jammed and he tried to clear it with one hand while attempting to take Ritmanic's service pistol with his other. When Harris got involved, that would be the woman, Sullivan was able to take Ritmanic's gun from her. Ritmanic then began pleading with Sullivan and Harris not to kill her. Sergeant Ritmanic was pleading with them to just leave. You don't have to do this. Please just go. Please don't. Please don't. She was desperately pleading for her life. Despite her pleas, Sullivan allegedly shot Ritmanic twice in the neck with her own gun. He and Harris then reportedly fled the scene and went on the run until investigators closed in on the suspects later in the week and arrested the pair 
at a home in North Manchester, Indiana. Authorities have charged the pair with first-degree murder of a police officer and attempted first-degree murder of a police officer. The two are now being held without bail. Documents obtained by Fox News show that Romanek joined the Bradley Police Department in 2007, was promoted to sergeant in 2014. A Facebook post from the Bradley Police Department stated that Ritmanic is a 21-year law enforcement veteran and is survived by her wife, Lynn Stua of Kanakee, and her father, James Ritmanic of Naperville, as well as siblings, nieces, nephews, and her pets. Marlene believed in people and her ability to speak to the community with respect, meet them where they are in life, try to understand their true needs, and work together to find a solution that produced the least disruption in people's lives, the post said. To her, the job was about making the community safe for everyone. She believed, and I'm quoting her, just because you can doesn't mean you should. She was awarded Law Enforcement Officer of the Year in 2020. If that isn't exactly similar to what Kim Potter and her partner were facing, I don't know what is. But let's make an example of Kim Potter, aren't you? Exactly. Let's put her away for as long as possible, you moron. This one is worth keeping track of, too, to see. Oh, I don't think these two... People will go free. Yeah, the, uh, the as Joe said, the uh, DA there is, he probably won't get it, but he actually would like them to be put to death if convicted. Yeah. Uh, but it sounds like they'll end up with life in prison with no parole. And you can see why this country will be short of police officers. It already is. Given given yeah. the lax uh, prosecu- prosecutorial uh, behavior and the lenient sentences, why in God's name should a woman like this or Kim Potter go out and risk their lives? And that's what Kim Potter was doing, Keith. She was risking her life in the line of duty. Well, let's make an example out of her. Never mind that these thugs are in a revolving door. It's a travesty. Absolute travesty. You know, and the, these cops have to deal with people with no moral and ethical integrity. Correct. That Every sh- day. That should be behind bars in the first place, including this they, guy. If I could add to your moral uh, integrity thing yeah. there, uh, it wasn't in the story you had, but I don't know if you saw it. Uh, he was har- he escaped and was harbored by his family after all of this. Back in Manchester, what- India? Uh, yeah, Indiana? Indiana, yeah, because they knew what had happened. Yeah. Uh, well, you know. Well, gee, the family uh, fam- has family, no moral and ethical yeah, integrity. Yeah, family, guess what? You're you're the cause of all this. If, if you let him get away with this and, and you're not going to do anything about it but help him escape. That's where the problem Go starts. back to the details, too, because there's something that you said in there that struck me. You said after he had fired the shot to the accompanying officer, the one that is still in critical condition, yeah, yeah. isn't it interesting to note that her first reaction wasn't to draw her firearm on this guy? She ran. She ran. And I wonder if she was conscious. She was think, trying to get away and call for backup. Instead of drawing her weapon and shooting this guy. <laughs> I wonder if that was entering. I, mean, I, I don't know the circumstances if she could have successfully done that. He might have had a gun at point blank on her. Oh, man. 25 years old and his family takes him in, huh? Yep. 25-year-old Darius Sullivan and 26-year-old Alexandria Harris. His brother helped him uh, drive away from the area knowing what had happened, and his mom harbored him knowing what had happened. Will they suffer consequences as a result? Yeah, they've they've actually both been uh, arrested and charged with various things. Good, good. All right. Only because they come to us all the way from Marloth (laughs) Park in Mpumalanga, South Africa, from the Traveling Lymans. 
It was on this day in 1805. January 5th, Joe. Joseph R. Brown is born in Hartford County, Maryland. A drummer boy at Fort Snelling, he would learn the Dakota language and later become a trader, a member of the Wisconsin Territorial Legislature, a participant in both the Stillwater Convention and the Minnesota Constitutional Convention. The editor of the Minnesota Pioneer and the Henderson Democrat and an officer during the U.S.-Dakota War. He would also be the first lumberman to float logs down the St. Croix River and would stake out the first road in St. Paul to Prairie du Chien. He died on November 9th, 1870. Hmm. And on this day day in 1892, what's this day? January 5th, Joe. (laughs) Mining classes began at the University of Minnesota as Professor William R. Appleby instructs a class of four students. Hmm. That that made this day in history. So would 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 the mining class back then at the U of M be the equivalent of you know taking bowling these days? Was it more of a recreational thing? No, no, no. Uh, just the opposite. Mining would have been big. That's then. true. Yeah, yeah. industry wise. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. And on this day in 1928, mm-hmm. Walter Fritz Mondale was born in Ceylon, Minnesota. A lifelong public servant, he would represent Minnesota in the U.S. Senate, occupy the vice presidency under Jimmy Carter, run for president against Ronald Reagan, and serve as U. Ambassador to Japan. I wonder where that is. Where Fritz is Mondale, long-time public servant. Where is Ceylon, Minnesota? I south, like... south, south, south. Okay. South and southeast, I'm suspecting. Ceylon, Minnesota. Thank you, GLers. Saloon, Sloon, Minnesota. No, Ceylon, C-E-Y-L-O-N. It's not even listed on the old Google. Well, maybe it doesn't even exist anymore. Hmm. It's a Lionel Richie song, isn't it? Ceylon. Ceylon. That's a yacht rock. Ceylon. Thank you, GLers. Okay, thank you very much. We appreciate it. It's in in Martin County. Martin County. If that helps. Marshall, Manoman, Marshall, Martin, McLeod, Meeker, Malax, Morrison, Mauer, Murray. Very nice. Perfect. GLers, after you get done memorizing all the counties in Minnesota, we would like you to head on over to the Garage Logic YouTube page and hit that subscribe button for us where we are posting daily content on the GL YouTube page. You can also see all of our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and so much more. And also don't forget to download the PodMN app for your smart device where you have the chance to win daily prizes just by listening to Garage Logic. It is that time once again here in Garage Logic where we pick up that phone and we make that call to Mr. Money Talk Josh Arnold GLers. It's a new year. Now's the time to make that call for that free 48-minute financial consultation by doing just what I did. Call 952-925-5608. That number once again is 952-925-5608. When you call that number, you get Josh directly. And you also get straight talk. You're never going to get sugar-coated advice. And Josh is with us once again here in Garage Logic. And Josh, should we be preparing for an interest rate move? Yes. Be prepared for moving on a short-term interest rate later this year. There are going to be many prognosticators who believe that the Fed is going to start their move in March. I don't believe the Fed is going to make any moves on short-term interest rates until they complete their bond-buying paper, which won't be until late April or into May. And at that point, look for short-term interest rates to start moving up incrementally. The Fed has already indicated a move up of at least 
three times uh, over the course of the later this year. There are a few predictions that I have seen that the Fed might move four times or even five times. That, to me, would be way too much and definitely out of character for the Fed. Of course, we are moving off of almost 0% short-term interest rates, and even the 10-year Treasury is still sitting at 1.6%. So, a move up in short-term interest rates is not to be unexpected, particularly as the economy gets a little better. One indication of the economy getting a little better happened to be the ATP jobs report for the month of December, which showed 800 plus thousand people getting new jobs in small businesses. That counteracts the number of people who in November were quitting work, which was in an all-time high number. So when the uh, employment numbers come out on Friday, do be prepared for a little bit, well, definitely a little bit of number crunching. That's it. With short-term interest rates moving up, strategists are telling people to get out of growth stocks, go to value stocks. Value stocks typically are those with very low PEs and companies that might be in the industrial section, such as, we'll say, a Caterpillar, as an example, or a Honeywell. I think the move may not necessarily move to value stock. Oh, and I'll also have to throw in bank stocks. I am not a bank stock investor. And if I were to look at many of the uh, charts of banks, even though some of these companies have lower price-to-earnings multiples, not something that I would really run to buy. And in many cases, I think that banks may be expensive, at least on a price-to-sales basis. I still am focusing on companies that are growing, growing both their sales and hence their earnings, but I would be looking at companies that make things. Apple makes things. Micron makes things. NVIDIA makes things. Yes, Caterpillar makes things. Those are the areas that I'd want to look at. If you want to throw in something, you know, to get some extra yield right now, I've always talked about Coca-Cola, Pepsi-Cola, yeah, they're still making things, and they've got yields, you know, around 3%. Intel makes things. It's going to be a while till Intel turns around, but there's a 2.7% 2, 2. yield on that. So still stick with growth. My focus still is on internet-related companies, leisure-related businesses, China-related businesses, and real assets such as real estate. Very good, Mr. Money Talk. You heard him, GLers. Pick up the phone and make the call today for that free 48-minute financial consultation by calling 952-925-5608. Straight talk, never sugar-coated advice. Josh, as always, thank you so much for the time in the chat. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you again next week. You got it, Chris. Thanks. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk.